I'm Shelby, and today I'm going to be talking about the origins of the Black Lives Matter movement and how it has helped to call for change and validate POC experiences across America. Let's begin by talking about how exactly the Black Lives Matter movement came to be. The origins of the Black Lives Matter movement, BLM for short, came after the murder of 17-year-old Trayvon Martin, a black teen murdered by George Zimmerman while walking to his father's house from 7-Eleven in 2012. Zimmerman had assumed that Martin was up to trouble and took it upon himself to take care of the supposed issue. While on the phone with 911, George Zimmerman shot and killed Trayvon Martin. The teen had nothing on him but a bag of Skittles and a can of Arizona iced tea, but due to racial profiling, Zimmerman felt he was in danger and murdered the teenager. Even after evidence was reviewed and all fingers were pointed at Zimmerman, the 28-year-old Neighborhood Watch volunteer was still acquitted of all charges. This sparked outrage across America, especially amongst the African-American community. Three women by the names of Alicia Garza, Patrice Kalors, and Opal Tometi took it upon themselves to create the Black Lives Matter movement. It started as a simple hashtag, which quickly gained traction. It has now developed into not only a platform, but an organizing tool for calls to change. As stated on the organization's website, Black Lives Matter is an ideological and political intervention in a world where black lives are systemically and intentionally targeted for demise. It is an affirmation of black folks' humanity, our contributions to the society, and our resilience in the face of deadly oppression. Now, after seven years, the movement continues to serve as a tool for not only the black community, but its allies. Black Lives Matter has opened the doors for conversation about the hardships the Black community faces on a day-to-day basis. Many feel more comfortable sharing their experiences without fear of invalidation from the world, including me. I moved to Washington from Orlando, Florida the summer before my sophomore year, and honestly, it was quite the culture shock. I went from what I called the land of diversity to a school with few who look like me. Luckily, about a month into my time at Tahoma, I joined the club Advocates for Equity, Although it's not around anymore, it motivated me to want to talk more about social justice issues and share my experiences with racism. Everyone I talk to is always surprised when I say that I've experienced more racism living in the Pacific Northwest than living in the South for eight years. Some of the stories I'm about to share may not be blatant racism, but they definitely rubbed me the wrong way and really made me feel uncomfortable being a black girl at Tahoma. So let's begin. So we all know what Future Ready Day is. It's a day where instead of going to your normal classes, you have a specific schedule where you do workshops and everything. And it's usually in the beginning of the school year and then one at the end of the school year. So this incident occurred during the very first Future Ready Day of the year. And I was still unfamiliar with the school and I didn't really know that many people. During my fourth workshop of the day, the last one, I was sitting by myself and I had already finished the assignment. And this girl who a lot of people know for being an attention seeker, you know, she comes and sits next to me and she just asked me straight up, you know, can I touch your hair? And I had my hair in box braids and I hadn't been asked that question probably since elementary school. I didn't know why she would ask me that, and I thought it was common knowledge that you're not really supposed to just touch people without their permission. So I said no, and instead of, you know, leaving me alone, she just takes her pointer finger and just lightly touches one of my box braids. 
And I'm just looking at her like, are you kidding me? And then I'm looking around and no one's doing anything. Now, the classroom was silent. There was nothing going on in that classroom. No one was talking. It was very obvious what was going on. No one stepped up until, you know, I politely asked her, hey, can you not do that? Can you stop? She's just blankly staring at me. I feel like she was trying to get a reaction out of me, honestly. But then the teacher, you know, was like, hey, so-and-so, stop touching her, leave her alone. And then the girl is like, hey, I, I asked her. She told me I could. And so then I'm like, no, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't let you, I'm like, no, I didn't. Why would I let you, you know? And, you know, the class thought it was like such a burn. They're like, oh, oh my goodness. But I just, it made me feel really uncomfortable because it was more of a joke than a respectful, you know, conversation about why you shouldn't be doing that to me. Next, I'm going to talk about the Martin Luther King Assembly. Like I said before, I joined the club Advocates for Equity, and it was around during my sophomore year. It was taught by Miss Agnew, who teaches um, English. So I joined the club, and it was a really fun experience. And Miss Agnew, in previous years, had always made it a thing to run the Martin Luther King Assembly. And I believe Miss Agnew also runs the Veterans Day Assembly, if I'm not mistaken. So I was really excited because it was our job to create the presentations. We created the script for the assembly. And honestly, we took like a good few months to really make sure that we were going to get our points across. Now, everybody knows the basic history of Martin Luther King Jr. You know, he led peaceful protests and all of that. But we decided that, you know, going to a school with not many who look like us and this school doesn't seem to be as educated on certain social issues. And so we wanted to make sure that we brought up specific topics that we felt needed to be said. Now, this included white privilege, the talks that we had to hear from our parents regarding the police or going out, always being seen as a black person first. These are everyday conversations that we have to have starting from a very young age, and we wanted to make it known that, you know, we are being mistreated in this day and age, you know? And the assembly went great. We did two assemblies, and I was really proud of myself. Um, everybody else was very proud and excited that we had just done that. Then after the assembly, you know, that joy, that excitement was just immediately washed away. In the hallway, I was getting glares, and, you know, I was hearing from everybody else that had been in the assembly that people were coming up to them and telling them that, you know, we went too far by talking about white privilege. We should have stayed on track by talking about just Martin Luther King Jr. We shouldn't have talked about white privilege. We shouldn't have talked about the Blue Lives Matter movement. We shouldn't have talked about any of that kind of stuff. I even had a girl come up to me and say to my face, that assembly was so gay. That assembly was horrible. I don't understand why they talked about these things. It was so boring. It was so stupid. I hate going to this assembly every year. And it really hurt. You know, obviously not everybody likes assemblies. I understand that. Sometimes even I don't want to go to them. But it really hurt because, number one, we had put so much into making sure it was, you know, exactly what we wanted. We really 
made sure that we touched on issues and we were very appropriate. I promise you we did not just go up there and start, you know, spewing all of this hate towards non-POC groups or anything like that. You know, we were very respectful with it and we had our scripts pre-approved and everything and, you know, it was still received the wrong way. It just really hurt. I didn't feel very welcomed because coming from my old school in Orlando, it wasn't taboo to talk about, you know, social injustice. We had great conversations. We had great conversations and I felt very comfortable being a black person at my school. And so experiencing this within the first few months definitely did not make me want to, you know, be a part of the student body at Tahoma. Now, this next story is about my most, you know, blatant experience with racism. Um, honestly, I still don't know how this was allowed to happen. I'm not going to name names because it has to do with a teacher and a student and certain comments that were made. But let me tell you, this was just the breaking point, the final moment that really made me understand you know, the whole dynamic of going to Tahoma and living in Maple Valley. So sophomore year, I took pre-AP language and composition. And it was a class where we read books, we wrote essays, we basically, you know, prepared to take the exam or just prepared to take a higher level English course, right? And I noticed that every single book we read in that class had to do with some sort of of social issue. Over the summer, we read Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, which is a nonfiction account of Brian Stevenson's experience working to get innocent people, specifically innocent black men, off of death row who had been falsely accused. The next book we read was Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, and it had to do with the relocation of Japanese immigrants in America and them being placed in Japanese internment camps. The next book that I can think of that we read was called Things Fall Apart. This was about missionaries coming into an African tribe and colonizing the tribe and bringing in, you know, their new religions and their technology. And it kind of, sh it definitely shows how the dynamic changed around the tribe and people who were wanting to follow the missionaries. But I definitely feel that the book painted the Africans in the book as sort of primitive. And, you know, they beat their wives and all of that kind of stuff. It, was, it did not paint them in a good light is what I'm trying to say. And I know that, you know, back then things were very different, but I, I didn't like that portrayal, if I'm being honest. And so... When it came to conversations in class about the books we were reading, you know, the teacher would allow us to have free speech, of course. You know, First Amendment talks about freedom of speech, right? But the Supreme Court case, Tinker versus Des Moines, places limits on our freedom of speech. And it basically tells us that, you know, we do have freedom of speech as Americans. But in school, that can be limited because of the environment you're in. However, this teacher just decided that 
we were going to just have these free conversations and he was just going to let them happen. He wouldn't step in. He would just, you know, choose the next person to speak. Now, in that class, I was one of four people of color in that class. Um, three of us were African-American and one is Cambodian. And I noticed that whenever we would have conversations, it really felt like we were fighting and defending ourselves constantly. Things would be said, an out-of-line comment would be said, and immediately, you know, it was the four of us, you know, having to raise our hands, having to set the record straight. False facts were being thrown around, you know, unruly comments were being made, and it just felt like we were constantly fighting for our lives in that class. So moving back to things fall apart, our teacher was allowing us to have a conversation. Honestly, I can't even remember what the conversation was about, but it somehow veered into slavery. Now, this book had nothing to do with slavery. It was about the people in the tribes living their lives and having missionaries come in. But to my knowledge, there, were, there was no slavery mentioned in the book or if it was mentioned it was not the whole you know story so I have a few quotes of what this student decided to say and it's a lot of ignorance these might be offensive to you they definitely offended me now let me also say that this student kept referring to America as we as if all of us had some sort of contribution to this topic that the student was talking about. So here's a few honorable mentions. When we brought slaves, we were helping out. Slavery isn't our fault because it's just a supply to man. The student also kept saying that third world countries are in debt to us, or America in this case, because we helped them with the slave trade. And the student just went on this rant about how you know, slavery was beneficial and that bringing the Africans over to America was helping them because they were able to start a new life. They were able to, you know, make a life for themselves, which is not true at all. But I'm not even going, I'm not going to go into that. I'm talking about how I felt, not about the history. But the student just kept going on and on about how slavery was beneficial to America into the third world countries because of the slave trade and everything. This student also advocated for the All Lives Matter movement when talking about police brutality. If you believe in All Lives Matter, you're entitled to your own opinion. However, if we were having a conversation about Black Lives Matter, I do feel like people who tend to bring up the All Lives Matter movement or ideal system are being dismissive. It definitely did not make me feel great. Now, the one thing that, you know, kind of set me off was after all of this talk about slavery, the student decided to say that Christianity was a cult created by the Romans. Can you tell me how that has to tie to any, of the, any part of this book? Now, let me remind you. I was not in history class. I was in English class. I didn't know that we were supposed to be talking about, you know, whether it's Black Lives Matter versus Blue Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. I didn't know we were supposed to be talking about how slavery was a good thing 
when it obviously wasn't. I didn't realize that we were going to be allowing students who, number one, have no idea what they're saying, and number two, who are saying obviously offensive things that are not facts at all, to just roam freely. Now, after these comments were made, one of my fellow people of color raised their hand, and this person is very well known for stating their opinion and they are not afraid to set the record straight. And as soon as this person started rebutting everything that the student making the offensive comments made, the teacher decides to go, okay, we're just going to move on. The teacher did not decide to set the record straight, to tell the student that they were out of line. The teacher just wanted to, to end the conversation altogether. That moment just completely crushed me because teachers are supposed to be the ones who are there for you. They're supposed to be your advocates. They're supposed to be the ones teaching. And these comments that the student were making were obviously not fact. They were offensive. They were biased. And it was just not the time or place to make these comments, but also the fact that the student made these comments matter-of-factly. Every single time somebody would call the student out, they would feel no remorse. They would seem almost prideful to me. At Tahoma, I've realized, living in Washington, I've realized that the state loves to put on this liberal front. You know, we're so accepting. We love everybody. But then when it comes to social issues, most people are very uneducated and ignorant. This may not be you. These are just my observations living as a black girl in Washington and going to Tahoma. But, you know, the first few months at Tahoma, finding my place was very difficult. I'm not saying that Tahoma is a racist school. I just want to get that out of the way. I just feel like the school could handle social issues, could handle racist comments, should handle putting a restriction on certain types of speech better. But over the past two years, I've definitely found my place now. And things have gotten a lot better for me. And the Black Lives Matter movement has definitely helped me. Now, having experienced all of this, the Black Lives Matter movement motivates me to share my experiences. I'm no longer afraid to share what I've been through, and I've seen where people's attitudes have changed. Especially after the killing of George Floyd, it seems that we're in a modern civil rights movement. You know, Gen Z is starting to gain its wings, as I say, and we're starting to band together against the fight of systemic racism. African American history is being brought to light, and many across the world are coming together to speak out against this systemic racism. In closing, the Black Lives Matter movement is the catalyst the world needed to heighten the fight towards equality and equity for African Americans.